0: Hey, welcome to uh, Land Grant Holy Land's Instant Recap Podcast, where we recap all of Ohio State's games. Um, And if you're listening to this one, you like pain. Um, I promise you, there's probably uh, no good things going to be said, um, as you all know, or should know very soon. Ohio State lost, um, I think they lost their first regular season game under Ryan Day. Yeah, they lost their first regular season game under Ryan Day, uh, 35 to 28 loss. And honestly, this game was not any close, was not as close as the score, in my opinion. Um, I would ask you how you're doing, Chris, but I'm pretty sure I know. So let's get right into it. Uh, What what are your thoughts? Like, what is your first thoughts about this game?
1: Yeah, so I want to answer your question, how you're doing. I'm not doing well, Jordan. I'm not (laughs) doing well. Not in a very happy place. Uh, The worst part about noon games is if your team loses, the day's ruined. Like there's nothing to do until tomorrow. And even then like the football weekend's over when you play at noon. So uh, it sucks. Uh, I think you're right on the, I I think you, you nailed it. I think this game was close in a way on the scoreboard, but outside of it, game plan wise, scheme wise, Oregon was on another level. And, The only reason this game was close was because Ohio State, on offense, was more talented than Oregon's defense. And I think that matched a lot of mistakes that were made offensively. So the defense, we're going to get into this. We're probably going to have our most honest like forthcoming show we've ever had because this was an upsetting performance from the defense for a lot of reasons. And that's honestly why I'm I'm upset. It's not like the game – You know, in 2017, they kept flashing at the end of it where Ohio State lost to Oklahoma, where they just straight up got outplayed. You know, that wasn't the case. Like, there was a lot of points left on the field. There were a lot of mistakes that could have been, like, huge plays that were different on the defensive side of the ball. You know, Ohio State couldn't tackle. Uh, The coaches couldn't make adjustments on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, So if you check off all the boxes, the fact we lost by seven is pretty astounding.
0: Honestly, and that's the thing. It's like losing is not the end of the world, right? Especially losing an out of conference game to Oregon. Yeah. Oregon's a good team. It's we week all two. expect. Yeah, it's week two. We, a young quarterback, whatever. Everyone expects Oregon to win the Pac 12. And honestly, the only reason Oregon, it's Oregon's fault they've never been to the playoffs since 2014 because they pull, uh, they lose to teams they shouldn't lose. So, like, Oregon is a good quality opponent. If this was the NFL, they would call it a quality loss. Actually, no, it's college football. They Mm -hmm. still may call it a quality loss if the team gets back right. The problem is there's nothing in this game that shows that the team is going to get back right. Like, there's nothing in this game that gives you confidence. Like, I always like to say, what do you want to see, win or lose, that's going to give you confidence about your team going forward? And I have no confidence in this defense. I didn't see anything except Ryan Burke. But I don't want to talk about well I, I i mixed up names did yeah, except is. denzel burke that's how that's how frustrated i am i don't even know people's names yeah um except denzel burke who had some really good plays um there's no positives that i have to say
1: yeah honestly i i think last year the issue was the corners i think this year the issues are the other nine players and everyone else so yeah i mean i i think uh I, I mean, how, how'd this game go? Like, what's what's your recap on this bad boy?
0: So before I answer that, I just have to say this. And I just want everyone listening, forget the actual score and just listen to these and tell me how bad you think this game is. And like, if this was like, if I just read these these stats to you, tell me what you think the score is. So the quarterback goes 35 for 40, 35 for 54, 484 yards, three touchdowns, and one interception. The running backs combined, because no one had a special game, the running backs combined is 31 attempts, 128 yards, one touchdown. The top three wide receivers are 12 catches, 126 yards. The next one is eight catches, 117 yards, and a touchdown. The third wide receiver is seven catches, 145 yards, and two touchdowns. Is that a win? Like if I just if I just called you up, gave you those stats, you think that's a win? Every
1: single time. I Do you think it's even close? Those offensive stats uh, are absurd. I, I wouldn't think it's that close of a game.
0: Like that sounds like a blowout. That like that sounds like those are, those are the stats you expect in Ohio State versus Akron. Like like there's a chance that when we play Tulsa and Akron, nobody has this good a game. Yeah, offensively, and we lost. So to answer your question of what's my read, what's my analysis, honestly. I don't even want to talk about the players. This game was lost on the coaching staff. This coaching staff has no idea what it's doing, especially defensively. And I want to try to give Ryan day credit in the instance of like, you know, he's an NFL guy. A lot of NFL guys just let the defense do whatever they want to do, but you can't do that as a head coach. He hired Kerry Coombs. He kept him after last year. It would not be the first time a first, um, a one year coordinator has been fired. You can say that Alex Grinch wasn't fired, but, he was fired like he wasn't like if he wouldn't have accepted the Oklahoma job, he wouldn't have kept his job. So you hide, you keep Kerry Coombs and blame it on the pandemic. You lose Halfley and you replace him with the special teams coach. You take our Washington from Michigan, um, whatever that says, which, again, a lot of people praise that move. But looking back at it, taking any coaches from the Michigan staff is not that great because they're not that good. The only coach that's there who is supposedly doing his job is Larry Johnson. And I hate to talk bad about Larry Johnson, but I'm not sure if he's doing his job because we have absolutely no pass rush. And, I, and then you go into the rotations, Tommy Eikenberg, literally, I just tweeted this. I mentioned Tommy Eikenberg's name so much. My phone, which is a brand new phone, actually, because my phone broke, it recognized it in autocorrect. All I had to do was put EIC and it spelled it for me. That's there's no reason his name should be in anyone's mouth that much. Why is he on the field so many plays? Like, how can you not, even if you think he's one of your best players, which that makes no sense to me, how can you not see that he's not having a good game and take him out and not take him out? How can you not see that Cody Simon is making plays what feels like the four times he's on the field in the entire game and not put him back on the field?
1: Yeah, honestly, I mean, I I know Eichenberg, they, they were hyping him up all after last week. Like, our defense isn't the same without Tommy. And I tweeted out today, I saw Bryson Shaw out there, and I saw him take bad angles. I saw Tommy Eichenberg out there. He was missing tackles. And it just started giving me flashbacks to 2018 and watching that defense. And it's unfortunate because instead of having one tough Portland out there, when you have Tommy Eichenberg and Bryson Shaw out there, it feels like we've got two tough Borlands, two limited athletes, two guys who will probably play really well against a lot of the lesser opponents. But once you have to tackle an, a legit NFL back, like these aren't the guys you want in there. You, you nope, Yeah, like you nailed it. Cody Simon was in the game for a third. Uh, I want to see the snap counts. I want to see how many plays he got. Because regardless of how you feel he is and knows the scheme, whatever, I don't care about that at this point. We need the best players in there for the next eight to nine weeks so they can develop and do the best to get this team into a playoff still. Like and
0: and here's the thing, like at the end of the day, you know, there's a bunch of old school – there's a bunch of older Ohio State players who are defending Kerry Coombs and who's saying that this has always been the scheme and players have to play and that kind of stuff. And there is some truth to that. But also, all of these players are four and five stars. Eventually, the coaches have to have to take something on to that. And watching the game, it's literally the scheme. I tweeted it, and I just talked to you about it. On that second touchdown, the one that was considered a pass, the, um, the C.J. Vereen – Lathan Ransom was playing man coverage on a wide receiver who was blocking. Anyone knows if you are the corner or the safety. Well, if you are the if you are the slot corner, so the inside corner, or if you're the corner on a short field and they bring and they motion down, your read goes off of the wide receiver and it goes to the offensive tackle. Yeah. Why does it go to the offensive tackle?
1: Because you have to set the edge. Yeah. You have to know if it's run. And that's the one thing I wanted to add to that because this play happened five or six times. And every single time, there was no one on the edge. It didn't matter. It wasn't a linebacker. It wasn't a defensive end. It wasn't a corner. All four of the guys who could have been the last guy outside were all inside the tackle when the ball was snapped, it felt like. And that is not... I mean, I can't blame the players for that. That's where it comes. Like, that's where it's coaching. That's where the adjustments have to come because, yes, the player... like. If he's not coached that, if he's not seeing that, if he's not getting that adjustment sent into him from his coach, he's going to do his responsibility. And if that's man on that receiver, it sucks. But then you have to have, like you said, awareness. You need to understand that if he's motioning in, you've seen this before. So there's just a I, – I think there's a lot of miscommunications in what's being taught and what's being said out there. And I just don't understand how there's such a big lapse sometimes when – I was sitting on the couch. I was telling my girlfriend, I'm like, hey, guess what's coming? They're going to run that same play to the outside. It's third and six here. They're going to score a touchdown. What happened? C.J. Verdell, another touchdown.
0: And it's and it's literally like every single good play that they had in this game was because they manipulated the linebackers. Every single one. Like um, the one in the fourth quarter when they got the – like." 16-yard completion to the tight end. I thought they were going to run the same play. You probably did. Everyone watching did, and the announcers did. They didn't. You know what they did? They ran a play fake and put a tight end right past the linebackers because they knew he was going to be there. There was another play early in the game, I think it was the first half, where the linebacker literally ran into
1: The the tight end. Or the tight end, yeah.
0: And the thing is, you would think that's almost a good play because they always teach you that. Even if it's not your responsibility, if the tight end releases you, jam him. So if he would have done it on purpose, it would have been a great play. But instead, you could tell he did it on accident because it looks like he just said, oh, excuse me, my fault, sir, and went to go defend the run, and the tight end was like, yep, I'm wide open because the guy who's supposed to be guarding me ran into me at three yards and then just let me it's not even sneaking out if you run into him he just let him go oh yeah my my bad sir i didn't mean to run into you uh please continue continue on your route you're wide open
1: yeah i'm gonna go defend the run so yeah and i know a lot of people keep bringing up uh the front sevens failures and it's it's don carry coombs absolutely he's the defensive coordinator it starts with a head guy we had to start looking at al washington uh I don't, you mean Bill Davis? Yeah, Bill Davis. Uh Bill Washington, or uh, whatever we want to call him. Larry Johnson needs to get his position group going. I mean, even if it's getting JTT in there more, even if it's getting Jack Sawyer in there more or at all for Sawyer. Uh JTT made like three plays in the fourth quarter. Like big time plays with pass deflections, getting pressure. He needs
0: like, to be he needs to be the starter.
1: That's where I'm looking at these decisions, these personnel decisions. That's a huge problem. And then I look at it, you know, everyone loves to give Halfley a lot of credit here, but we did have a two-coordinator system. We had a guy who was specifically there to help the back four, the DBs and the linebackers with coverage stuff. And then we had a guy there in Madison who was there to do the front seven and the linebackers in the defense defensive line. Uh, Coombs does not have the expertise to be a single coordinator. That is what we've learned. That is what we've does- seen, and... The DBs are playing fine. Like Bryson Shaw sucks. I'm going to say it. Um, The corners are great. I, I, I think the corners are making plays like it's nobody's business.
0: So. I mean Denzel Burke's closing speed like is ridiculous, and it's literally and it's funny because um, the last game he had a pass interference, and you can it looks like he knows that he's so fast, and maybe he'll get burnt on this, but it looks like he knows that he's so fast that sometimes he plays a little bit off of the wide receiver and then just catches up to him, yeah. and it keeps him. Poise and his hands off the receiver because on that deep ball i get on one of the deep balls it looked like he was open and then burke was like oh balls in the air let me just catch up squeeze him to the sideline and make a play which if you can't keep your hands off people and you're fast enough to recover that is a great way to play yeah like the DBs are getting better cam brown looked good except for yeah. when he was glimping because he was visibly you can injured tell he
1: hurt himself a little bit on a play did seven banks even play today i don't recall seeing him on the field so I really think it was Denzel Burke and Cam Brown for the majority of it. I didn't see much Ryan Watts either today. I know we got a little bit of run, but I do. We not have. another? First of all, when we were going over the roster, I
0: forgot that Bryson Shaw was on the team. Like, I don't think I've ever said his name until the game started. We do
1: not think he would crack the three deep when we did our depth chart projections.
0: It's not that I, it's not even you may not have thought he was going to crack the three deep. I for I literally no joke forgot he was on the roster, when someone said in the first game that Bryson Shaw's in the game. My first thought was who is that? Yeah, like, I forgot I I forgot he existed, and that's partially on me. I need to know the roster better, especially if I'm going to be podcasting and stuff. But that's also just
1: like who is he? Yeah. Like why is he out there? And you know the 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 sucky thing is is Josh Proctor was taken off in an aircast on a on the cart like. That means something serious happened to his leg if it's air casted. So uh it's Bryson Shaw's show, and we've already talked about this. There has to be somebody it, else. it's got to be a Hickman, it's got to be a Court Williams, it's gotta be someone who Where? plays safety. One of these five star guys we've brought in, whether it could be a Cam Martinez, it could be Lathan Ransom switching from the cover corner, because we've got tons of corners.
0: Isn't Lathan Ransom the one who was recruited who to play is, safety? Who- who is the Who is the recruit that everyone said he's the He is the first true free safety we've recruited in a while.
1: It was because they love
0: athletes. It was Ransom, I believe so. Yeah, that's what I was ransom thinking. Was likely not playing the deep safety,
1: and I, I think it was to get like kind of Proctor on the field, get Ransom on the field, and so on and so forth. But now that you know Proctor's hurt, like this one's going to be a serious one. He's going to be out for some time. Like I, I've never seen someone. Get taken out in an air cast and return soon. No, I mean, I like Kayvon Thibodeau. You know, hopped or
0: you know, walked off the field, whatever. Yeah. Put him in a boot, and he didn't play today. An air cast?
1: That's an that's, that's immediate. That's put... injury. That's a broken leg. That's a dislocated mm-hmm. ankle. Yeah, that's... that's not a that's not a twist. Like that's you're done for the year. Yeah, because that means they need to stabilize it immediately, and that's not that's not good. So we're out, Josh Proctor. So I mean, we're I'm looking at the show plan here. Like, I, I mean, the takeaways in the first half were a lot different than the takeaways in the second half. So, how do you feel the first half went for the Buckeyes versus the second half? So
0: the first half was it was like it was frustrating, but it didn't feel like all was lost. I mean, like it. It's like they played, when I typed out the statistics, just for anyone who wants to know, I type out the statistics as they happen. So when I typed out the statistics for the first half, I was like, wow, CJ Stroud is 16 for 22, 190 yards and one touchdown. They're like three or four drops. Like he's actually playing better than I thought. He looked timid. He was throwing a little high. My biggest issue with CJ Stroud in the first half is he just wouldn't pull the trigger. And it's like, he's just not aggressive enough um and and he doesn't make quick decisions like I get that you are not a runner but the only play you made last year was like a 44 yard touchdown run. we know you can run and I think he I think he developed that like Justin Fields tendency of like waiting too long to try to make the perfect play but the difference with Justin Fields is he was faster than everybody so whenever he decided to run he could still get three or four yards Stroud you're not so you either need to you need to Run or throw it away. Yeah. Run or throw it away. So that I I didn't like that. I didn't like that we weren't rushing enough. And it feels like they just gave up on the rush. And I know, you know, part of it is that they sold out or Oregon sold out on the run. Yeah. But there was there was one run called that was directly an outside run. And there was a false start. And if you looked at the blocking, there was a hole that anyone could walk through. Like it was it was probably going to be a walk through touchdown for Henderson. And they just never ran the play again. And um, Verdell had two touchdowns on the same exact play. Yeah. So I was frustrated, you know, and I was like, Stroud has to play better. But it's just like, it, it just felt like it's Ohio State. They're going to figure it out. I didn't like the defensive rotations, but I mean, it was 14-7. It wasn't a dominating game. Yeah, and either it team like, was
1: doing anything special.
0: And and you could see there was just a couple of plays on offense where it's like, yeah, if we have those plays, we're winning this game.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I kind of had the same feeling about the first half. If I had to uh, sum it up, I'd say I was a little disappointed in the first half, and then the second half was just mostly pain. Uh, because It was torture. It was just, you know, you just felt like they were just right there every single time. They were on the verge of making something happen, especially in the fourth quarter. It felt like they were just like, all right, Ohio State's going to win this game all the way up until that last two minutes. And I'm like, okay, like, they're going to win this game. They're going to win this game. And then... Every single time the defense until their last two stops was like, no. Nope. Joe Moorhead knows us. He's got us.
0: Do you know what I just realized when you were talking? This is how people feel playing us. This is like this is like we were Penn State and Oregon was Ohio State. Like we were Michigan before the last three years when every game was a blowout. Like we are those teams, like we're Northwestern, we're Wisconsin in this game where you play uh, you play a decent game and you're close but every time every time you get too close they just make a play. Yeah. This is like this is Ch- uh, this is Chase Young's sack on against Penn State. This is Nick Bosa's sack against Penn State to ruin that game. Like this is Ohio State beating Wisconsin after Wisconsin's up 14 in the first quarter doing whatever they want to. Like you everything that you are trying to do It just does. It just falls short and Ohio state shouldn't feel like that. They make everyone else feel like that.
1: Yeah. And it, it sucked. I mean, it was one of those games where I felt like the offense was really close to being dominant. The defense was never really close to being dominant, but they almost came up huge for the Buckeyes, you know, trying to swing the game back in the favor. And, you know, Ohio state had two chances down seven to tie this game up. And, both times they ended up making a costly mistake with a cheap holding on Thayer Munford. And then the, uh, I believe it was a sack given up. Uh, so, you know, the O line played good for three quarters, I'd say. And then the time you needed the most, the last six minutes of the game, they kind of disappointed. So there's another thing on the checklist that like, as a team, we're going to have to look at, you know, as Ohio state, you're going to have to look at some of those things. Like, why was Oregon able to take advantage of the O-line late? Why was Stroud uh why did we have to throw the ball 50 times? What did they do to eliminate the run for us? And I didn't feel like they were ever actually stopping the run that well. I mean, we like we averaged like 5 yards a carry. Combined. Yeah,
0: which is which is solid. Like that is that is solid. I that that like, is like
1: felt like Travion was gashing him almost every time we ran a play that wasn't inside zone.
0: And it's just like they just, they literally just gave up on the run. And the thing is, when you're losing and you're trying to come back and your defense is anemic, one way to stop that. Is to control the clock. Yeah. Because you know you're gonna score. You know you have the ability to score. And this this year, also I'm starting to get a little bit worried because it seems like we're going to have 2018 Dwayne Haskins problems yeah. of we can't score in the red zone. Because CJ Stroud is not decisive enough. That is his biggest thing. He's not decisive enough. And in the red zone, you have to be. And sure, there he did make some good plays. Like, I mean. We have to credit Oregon a little bit here. They did come and play well, and I don't want this to be like just crapping Ohio State because Oregon did play well. Uh, Jeremy Record, who almost never drops anything, Dropped had a pass. Broke out. Drop he didn't it. even get it. He didn't even drop it. It was yeah. just a great play by the defense. He timed it perfectly. He ran straight through the ball perfectly like you have to be superhuman to catch that. He didn't come early because it could have been a lot of you get pass interferences on those types of plays because they come early. Didn't target like
1: he played that perfectly. Yeah, it came through the hands. It was wasn't a physical play, like, on the bodies. Like, it was just a – I mean, it was a well-thrown ball. Uh, You know, I think if you're Ruckert there, you've got to use your body a little more to protect the catch. But I, at that point, like, it was – he timed it up perfectly. So, yeah. it just really wasn't think. something there. Uh, You know, we had that Olave end in- zone throw where Stroud kind of got flushed out and then flushed back into the pocket where he kind of let it rip, and then Olave got knocked over. Uh, that I didn't think it was pass interference. Honestly, like it
0: was, it was, it was pass interference. He came early.
1: Yeah, but I think it was. It wasn't like a hands thing. I think. I think this is similar to how I felt about the NFL game where it was a push off on Godwin. Like once Olave started giving into the cell jump, I think they kind of put the flag back so- in their pocket.
0: I'm not, honestly, I'm not 100% sure that Alave went into the cell job because he slipped. Like, all of our wide receivers are slipping. Yeah, the
1: slipping was a huge I, problem.
0: But, like, if you look at it before the slipping, the DB comes early and wraps his right arm around his shoulder. That is almost always. Yeah. And it's and like an easy.
1: A passing that's almost always a passing interference.
0: Sure. Like, he came early. You can't come early. Like, you yeah. can't hit before the ball is there and it's unfortunate that maybe you didn't see that impact enough because he did flip he did start to slip and maybe he did go into the cell job yeah i don't know exactly how to feel about it because they slipped all over the field the slipping was but a
1: huge problem so like that that kind of like when you start seeing players slip all the time too it's going to take that extra second for a ref to make that decision as well yeah i just it's, I it's just tough situation and fourth and two you had just been running the ball down organ's throat with travion henderson I know they had stopped their run all day. Uh the worst play was the fourth and short though with Mayan Williams, where they ran the uh
0: outside inside zone. Yeah,
1: the inside zone uh between the tackle and the guard, and Noah Sewell just filled it perfectly because I thought that was the most predictable play on the planet when you saw the alignment. There was only one way they were gonna run it. And they yeah. weren't they weren't doing any zone reads. It was full gives. So it wasn't like Stroud had any he wasn't going to pull it because it wasn't a design for that. But you know what I'm saying? Like if Stroud is an option there, like that plays a first down with either one of them. Cause it keeps those linebackers honest.
0: But you know, he's not an option because they didn't even run Justin Fields and Justin Fields could run.
1: Yeah. And that's kind of, that's something. And I know you don't want to put your quarterback at risk. I know Ryan day has been a big, uh, he he's always preached that he doesn't want to put unnecessary risk on his quarterback, but there's one reason Joe Moorhead and Anthony Brown were so successful today, and it's because they let Anthony Brown use his athleticism in key moments. I mean, you can't, you can't protect, you can't, you can't protect, protect the You can't protect, him. if you want to win football games, you have to let him, you have to use him in all ways.
0: Let the refs protect him because they always will. And not that I want anyone to get injured or I'm advocating for it, but you actually also have depth from everyone's understanding. Kyle McCord gave a really good fight for the job. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't you know a runaway job, so he should be good enough. You should trust him enough to make plays in a pinch. So that doesn't mean throw caution to the wind. That doesn't mean run CJ Stroud thirty times and like try to get him injured. But you're telling me on a fourth and two, you can't have a read option and like it's it just it's just impossible. Like it's just not something that you consider.
1: Yeah, yeah, and that's kind of where I had a big issue with it. And I, I think it all comes back to, I think I think Day's been a little more conservative with CJ Stroud. I think it's kind of been costing Ohio state, especially with these big games early, you know, I think it didn't hurt us last week. Cause we had four huge plays in the second half, but this week, the conservativeness at the start of the game is kind of what got me. The predictable runs on second downs, kind of what made me have some issues. And, you know, where I, I started really having issues was there. They, lo- they had, they were missing two of their best players. Like you need to go right at that defense immediately.
0: Yeah, and then, and then the player who replaced – I don't know if he ever got back on the field, but he at least missed a couple of quarters. Yeah. The player who replaced Kayvon Thibodeau got injured too. And they didn't like – And then it's like anytime Ohio State wanted to throw. Like the I get the announcers have to be nice to everybody, but like the announcers are like talking about how um, Wright is playing well against Alave. No, he didn't. No. Anytime Alave wanted to get open, he was open. And it's just like – When you need a play, you don't go to any of your bread and butter. Like there's no Garrett Wilson on a post. There's no Alave on a deep out. There's no comeback. There's no you know deep crosser. Like none. Like like the plays that you know, especially because I was curious if I was curious if CJ Stroud could throw them. Yeah, because it's very hard to throw. He was hitting those deep outs. Like it's very very hard. You have to have timing accuracy. A lot of times you have to you have to have touch because you have to throw it over a linebacker. Yeah. Right. that's a hard throw. And he was
1: hitting it. It was there. He missed. We saw he missed a few deep balls. I think that was the only issue I really had with him, and then a couple overthrows. But like, those are the plays. Like, like I I don't know any defensive back group that's ever been like, yeah, they played good and gave up four hundred and eighty four yards. They made some like, timely yeah. plays. That was it. They didn't play great. Like. Mm-mm. Ohio State's offense got everything they wanted in the passing game, and then the only time they didn't was when Stroud got overpressured or when the play call was like a two-yard pass.
0: Yeah, and it's like and, – and just like being honest, because I think – like I also tweeted this, like I believe in analysis in all areas – this game was lost by the defense and mainly by the coaches. The coaches lost this game. Yeah. But also, you have to admit, and, and it's not a bad thing. I don't, I don't want to say it's necessarily a bad thing. He's young, and you're not going to get everything. But you do have to state, like, Stroud missed two touchdown passes. Yeah. And one of them he missed – and it directly affected the game because after that we had the holding penalty and then it was third and 18 and that's when um, they had the bad play to Olave. None of that matters if you hit a wide open Garrett Wilson. And even if somehow he gets tackled, you, it's first and 10 in the five. Yeah, for sure. Like you just can't miss that.
1: Yeah. And honestly, like for me, I, I, this is like the, my last biggest analysis from the game uh, on like that I just thought I got, I had from my side, but, uh, they really like the energy level for the first game back in the horseshoe in 658 days, the first game in front of the home crowd in 658 days. Like, like that is the level of energy. The defense played with in the first three quarters, the level of energy, the offense played with in the first three quarters was pathetic. Like it was, it was so bad. upsetting. Like, I have never seen it like this is a marquee matchup. I don't care what time of day it is. This is a nine a.m. kick for those Oregon players. Like
0: and one thing about Urban Meyer, Urban Meyer not be up may not be up for you know Akron, but his teams were always, always up. up for except maybe Virginia Tech. I don't remember if that was an energy game or it was just a bad game. Just,
1: uh, but like his HGN teams experience. always
0: have energy for the big games they always come prepared yeah. and it, for the big game
1: this is why it felt like 2018 to me because it just felt like a flat performance it felt like both sides of the ball were very lackadaisical very lacked the detail orientedness we're used to with a ryan day offense and it and a ryan day team honestly because even in some of the games like i, I think back to carrie coombs called a great game against clemson like we have to give him credit there uh the energy was what won that game And you know, everyone always says, you know, Kerry Coombs. I mean, I don't. He's definitely not the best X's and O's guy. Like we could say that without a doubt. He's not. He
0: doesn't know how to put an entire defense together.
1: Everybody in the world talks about his energy, and how his energy is contagious. It didn't look contagious today.
0: He just looks stressed. Yeah, (laughs) like he looks like he like he looks like he's in over his head. The pressure is too much for him. And I haven't seen that man smile like since
1: just want to see effort and energy from my defense. If that is the bare minimum that I need to see from Coombs, that's all I need to see for four quarters. And I saw it. I saw what it looked like when the octane was up, you know, and I saw what happened when the offense had to really start making plays. I see what it looks like when there's effort, you know, so that was my biggest takeaway. This game started with effort. Oregon wanted it more, and that's why they won the football game.
0: And that's and that's the that's the thing that's so crazy about Ohio State. Right. When nothing goes well, you don't have effort. The coaches like every single coach on the defensive staff needs to be fired Um, player. You're playing the wrong players they are in the wrong position. They're not playing well. They don't have fundamentals like every negative thing you could say. And they lost by seven and had two chances to win. Yeah. Like that is Ohio State football. You're so much better than everyone. Like the the announcers were trying to swear up and down that Oregon was cl- as as closely talented to Ohio State. And and that in that same metric that they're talking about, Ohio State is three. Oregon is nine. That that
1: um, and recruiting metric. Advantage.
0: But there's a there's a huge gap between, between three and four.
1: Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio State have a significant gap in this talent composite.
0: Whoever whoever number four is, there's a gap between Ohio State and four. So the gap between three and nine is huge. Like they yeah. don't have the same amount of talent. They have three players, and two of them weren't there. They have Justin Flo, he didn't play. They have Kayvon Thibodeau, he didn't play, and they have Noah su
1: Yeah. And those are their three highest-rated recruits I think they've ever gotten to Eugene.
0: And and they are. And the sad thing is, most times you play te- teams and players, you look like their best player. Like, like, you look at it like, what's your best player start at Ohio State? And this is one of the few games... Except sometimes against like Alabama, this is one of the few games where I felt like their best players would play at Ohio State. Yeah, all three of their best players would would start at Ohio State. We would, we would do anything to have Noah, School, Thibodeau, I would, Noah, Stuhl and Justin Flo.
1: I would give my right pinky for Noah Swole, and that's a lot. I mean, that's a whole finger, and I, I you'd have to cut it off. So, like that's what I'm saying. I'd give up a limb for it. So it, it's
0: just, and again, you shouldn't feel like that at Ohio State. No,
1: so and. Um, Like we have guys, we have talent. It's just about putting them in the right places. And we've talked about this a bunch, like throughout the off season, one thing we wanted to see from this defense was simplicity, simple assignment football. And that's what Jeff Halfley and his defenses did so well. We're not seeing that with Coons. And
0: it's just like, it's everything. It's everything. They're not lining up. Like I thought, I, I thought the linebackers, we're lining up correctly. And then I actually looked at Eichenberg and he's not lining up correctly. He starts correctly. And then he creeps to the line of scrimmage, which makes like, it, he it's like, he only knows how to play the run, but that's the thing. Someone tweeted. There was like, I can't believe I'd say this, but I prefer tough Borland than Tommy Eichenberg. Yeah. And I'm like, I do too, because tough Borland at least knew run fits. Could, like that's the thing. Exactly. They don't know that they don't know their gaps. Like they don't know where to go in the run. It's like, they're either not reading the offensive linemen or they don't know how to read the offensive linemen. And all of these problems are day one football. Yeah. It's fundamentals. They don't have they have all the talent in the world, but they don't have the fundamentals. You can't set an edge, you can't fill a gap, you can't go the right like why are your linebackers crossing? Because they're going the wrong way. Why on um one of the runs where they send the tight end out? Why is your field wide receiver? Why is your field linebacker running across the formation at the snap to guard a tight end? Why didn't you pass that off? If the the tight end goes across the formation, you switch responsibilities. You don't cross linebackers. It's not safeties and corners. And good defenses don't cross safeties either because they can both play. But you don't cross linebackers. You just slide over. You replace the gap fits. And every and if you just it's just communication, everyone should know, hey, there's someone moving. Hey, you got him, bump out, bump out. You got him, I got him. But they're playing pass on running plays, which means they're not reading their keys either.
1: Yeah. And I don't want to, like, I I mean, I don't want to like talk bad about former players or anything like that, but you know, they're coming to Coombs's defense because he was coaching them. They're not doing it because of what they're seeing. Like, what I saw was like, A pathetic performance from a coaching staff defensively. Zero adjustments. Zero changes. You know, the personnel decisions were questionable. All that stuff is fixable. And if Coombs, like, we have to trust Coombs because he's not getting fired today. He's not. He's going to make it through the season because you just can't do a turn a coordinator overhaul in the middle of the season. You
0: you can. You could you, fire him.
1: <laughs> but then you just have a guy. We like I think uh Matt in our chat said, like, we don't have a guy with coordinator experience. I don't
0: I don't care. But he I, cannot call plays that's no the thing. More for yeah. this
1: defense. The play calling has been bad. And I I think, you know, the my biggest takeaway on the defense was a lot of these players have been set up for failure. All of them. Yeah. And like, yeah, you could even say the corners are because they're in man-to-man coverage and then the defense is the, They're again. in man-to-man coverage the entire game. Yeah. And then, oh, we finally decide to run a zone coverage in the fourth quarter. And then guess what Joe Moorhead does? He has an answer for it because he is seeing right through everything. Joe Moorhead wasn't even playing 3D chess. He was just playing chess. Like, honestly, Joe Moorhead was playing checkers. Carrie Coombs oh. wasn't even... <laughs> Kerry he Coombs was, was eating the pieces.
0: He was playing checkers with a child. Yeah. It's like it's like when like anyone who has like siblings, it's like when you're like 16 and you're like Four-year-old cousin wants to play Madden with you, and so you put him on easy. You play on all. You play on all Madden, and you still blow him out by fifty because he doesn't know the controls and can't. And his hands are too big to hold the controller. Like that's what it felt like. Like Kerry Coombs' hands are too small to hold the controller. He can't press the buttons. He's just mashing things and just hoping it. And it, like yeah. and just hoping it works.
1: And Joe Moorhead picked it apart methodically. He yeah. made
0: Joe Moorhead look like the best offensive coordinator in the and
1: country. Like I, you, you read my film. Preview for them, like it's not complicated stuff. It's not. There's three options for a quarterback every play almost, and it's to give it to the running back, to keep it himself as a runner, or throw it outside. And his offense is meant to be simple, it's meant to beat you straight up. And guess what? He did all day long, he used his offense. And you know, I am tired of, like you said. I'm tired of the RPO stuff. I'm tired of people making excuses that RPOs are hard to cover. Like, they're not. This is a joke at this point. They've been, Everyone runs they've been RPOs. prevalent for nine years now. Do you know how you
0: stop RPOs? I, you play good coverage, yeah. and you tell your linebackers to stop looking in the backfield because a five-yard slant doesn't help nobody if the linebackers at six yards. Yeah,
1: it, it's just, it's just. There is a. I, yeah, I mean, you said it yourself. Like they just don't know how to construct an entire defense. And I, I there's going to have to be. I, I don't know where this goes. Uh, I, I mean, everyone gets fired. Yeah, if Coombs it's the has, only option. If Coombs has ten unbelievable, like he's going to have to have some great games, honestly, no, to keep his job. I'm, but I, I think we're all. I think we all were. I think we're sold on like this. There's no way we can sit through this again. There's no way we can sit through these lack of adjustments. These lack of changes and you know we gave them the benefit of the doubt last week it's it's gone
0: yeah and and here's my thing right as we start to wrap this up and first of all if you're still listening to this thank you but also I apologize because this has to be painful when I went to college I wanted to be a coach like I worked at Kent State's football team my entire thing was to be a coach I was I want I was going to apply to be a GA and the reason why I didn't coach Is the stress it puts on your family and the lack of job security? I bring that up because I am the last person that calls for coaches to be fired because I've seen it. I've witnessed it firsthand. Like, I've witnessed coaches not be able to see their sons, and on their kids' birthday, they see them for 10 minutes because they're game planning. Like, I've seen camp from a coach's perspective. I don't like people getting fired. But at the end of the day, if you wanna win, like, I'm not someone that says stuff like that at a whim. Like, if you want to win, coombs cannot be the coach it is unfortunate i don't want him to get fired he gets a buyout he's rich like
1: i like he cannot be the entire defensive coaching staff cannot yeah. be there next year and i'm just gonna tell you guys al Washington's not the answer i, I don't he's think not. marcus freeman's not the answer there's someone in the nfl that ryan day knows who is probably the answer that we don't know and i think he's already making calls right now or texting his buddies
0: And and the last thing I'm gonna say because we do have to wrap this up, is watching the NFL. The best NFL defenses is this like Staley and Vic Fanzio defense. And what do they do? They play freaking cover two and they sit back and they bend, don't break. And the entire point of the defense is to make it simple so that your athletes can play and make the quarterback make it hard on the quarterback to make plays the all and literally NFL coaches talk about the one of the only ways to beat that defense is to run the ball because it makes it hard. So if it makes it hard on an NFL quarterback, who's making millions, who's been playing quarterback for like 20 years or more, what do you think it would do to college quarter to college quarterbacks who have been playing for like six years?
1: Yeah, it's, it's really one of those things where I think I Ryan day came in. He wanted to run the, Pete Carroll, cover three, one high safety scheme. That, it, that
0: doesn't even work for the Seattle no more. Yeah, it only it, worked because they had the players. It's
1: passed. It's 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 been figured out. And that's kind of the thing. And it's it also it's in, it sucks when you have a coach who doesn't know how to put it in right. And I guess that's that's kinda of like where we had to close this out on. I, I can't blame I can't blame the players for this game. I, I this is not on them. I could blame them for their lack of effort. Uh, but that's that's it. I think they were set up to fail today. I think offensively the game plan was not thought through very well. I think defensively the game plan was one of the worst I've ever seen put out at, for an Ohio State team. Like It was giving me Purdue flashbacks, honestly.
0: Yeah, and it's just like the last thing about that defense is that defense worked because Seattle had Hall of Famers at all the yeah, important positions. Safety, they had corner. safety, linebacker, and corner. Seattle can't even run that defense right now because they don't have the players. The fact of even trying to bring that defense to college doesn't make sense. Like, this is so much on coaching, and that's the only thing I have to say. And Ryan Day, as you can tell by 500-plus yards of offense, even when he does you know, make a bad play call or whatever, I mean, on offense, they did what we wanted to do. They did what we said that they should do. They, my, Master Teague didn't even get a carry, although I think he maybe should have on one of them fourth and twos. Yeah. He didn't get a carry. They got the third wide receiver involved they got I mean he had 140 yards and two yard receivers touchdowns. probably the first like, time in school history we've had 300 yard receivers like Ryan Day made his adjustments he did what he yeah. had to do he played well he coached well for the most part it's all on the defense um and that's really the last thing to say um red zone execution you know,
1: and a wholesale improvements on the defense and this team and wholesale, wholesale firing. But like we said, I mean, you're going to lead us into what's next. Uh It's actually a good time to come off a loss for Ohio state as much as yeah. like it, it sucks. It sucks. Ohio state lost, but it's week two. They've got a few teams in the next few weeks that they should be able to beat pretty handedly and then get ready for conference play.
0: Yeah, also we're not doing this justice if we don't admit. First of all, Ohio State can still make the can still make the playoffs. All the goals is still not, out there. there's not a team in the Big 10 who really should be able to do this. The defense is scary, but they like Ohio State should be able to beat everyone else. They have four games against teams. They have Rutgers, they have um Tulsa, they have uh Akron, and then I believe they play Rutgers and someone else. It all should be four wins before they play Indiana and Penn State this podcast was doom and gloom and, and maybe we should apologize for that it's just raw emotion yeah, but at the end of the day ohio state long term all the goals are still there and they have time to fix it um it's it's really just are the coaches going to fix it that's the question
1: and it's like it's like i said on uh buck off this week like it sucks to think about it this way but we got a first year starter quarterback we got a ton of new defensive starters like this is this is a year where the talent is there to win a national title but this could be this team think about this team next year with all this experience they experienced a loss; they're never going to want to experience that again you know so Mm -hmm. it's all you got to take away the positives when you can uh this year's still out in front of us Uh, ohio state needs the support as much as they can get it now more than ever don't jump off the bandwagon uh that's my last thing i got
0: Yep, it's, it's one game, and Buckeye Nation, you will be okay. Um, we will get through the season, and we just know that there are some changes that we have to make for next year. Uh, but that's, that's really all we have uh, this time. Um, we'll be looking for updates on Josh Proctor. Uh, he was the only injury that I can remember. Hopefully I didn't forget another player. Uh, but as we mentioned, Josh Proctor's out, so we'll look for updates on that. Um, we'll look for updates on Cam Brown, who did play the whole game, but he was limping. And sometimes, after the game, injuries get a little bit worse, and you realize you can't play next week. So we'll be looking out for that. And next week, we play Tulsa, September eighteenth at three thirty. Um, go Bucks!
1: Yes, go Bucks!